0: Ladies and gentlemen, I'm full of optimism. Einstein's
1: theory of relativity. We're still seeing it quite well through that haze. E minus 37 seconds. The fight is E between. equals MC. That all
0: men are created. About the future
1: innovations. And growing strength in the air. Clear down. This world. Something's happening. Coming along, Stacy. This is Finding Your Frequency with your hosts, Jeff Spinard and Ryan Treasure. It's time to speak up, share your voice, and hear from the thought leaders. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Finding Your Frequency. I am your host, Ryan Treasure. Today is January 24th, and you may not know, but this is our very first live show of 2020, and what a great year we expect to have right here at Voice America Talk Radio. Last year, we did 179 Finding Your Frequency episodes, and so what a great uh, way to start the new year to really bring in a bang, uh, have a have a great person in the studio today. We're gonna talk about uh, we're gonna talk about business. We're gonna talk about leadership. We're gonna talk about technology. All those you know fun things that you guys that are entrepreneurs always you know lay in bed at night at twelve o'clock and just think to yourself what technologies should I be using for my business? What strategies should I be using for my business? So we're gonna kind of go down the rabbit hole a little bit today. But before we get into the guest, um, I have to take just a couple of seconds out of the show to uh, number one thank our sponsor. For the show Podcorn P-O-D-C-O-R-N Dot com uh, Podcorn Is a fantastic Um uh a website where podcasters can link up with advertisers. Uh, and it's a great resource for you guys out there that are doing podcasts or content based marketing for your businesses uh, to help kind of supplement a little bit of that income, get some revenue jo- uh, generation happening uh, from your radio show or podcast. It's a great marketplace connecting those podcasters to amazing sponsorship opportunities uh, such as host red ads, interview segments, and topical discussions and more. So big shout out uh, to podcorn.com. We'll talk about them a little bit more later on in the show. Now, on the other thing, huge uh, proud father moment for me this morning. Uh, I, I actually came into the studio a little later than normal because my daughter uh, made the principal's list, uh, and so man was I extremely happy as you guys know I have a six year old daughter she's in first grade uh, we had a little struggles in kindergarten uh, you know brand new to school and you know, all those different things and uh, she's never got lower than a B even in kindergarten so I'm extremely proud of her for that but you know with a little extra effort at home and uh, you know we started a new program at home because uh, after doing some interviews last year with some experts in early childhood development uh, we had a lot of conversations about screen time and you know the kids watching television playing video games playing on the phone all that kind of stuff and so my wife and I we took a pretty hard stance on uh, limiting screen time and we came up with a game Uh, and the fun game that we came up with is is, it's a helps you to learn about being an entrepreneur because you have to work for something to earn something Uh, and so we supplemented that with uh, reading books equals screen time so the more books that you read the more screen time you can rack up so screen time is the cash the capital the money uh, and reading is the work Uh, And so it's been very, very helpful. And so very proud of my daughter, Marley, for getting on the principal's list and uh, just wanted to have that proud dad moment for just a second. So uh, that's why our guest is wondering why I was wearing a visitor sticker in our own building. And that's because I was a visitor at the school earlier today. But uh, big kudos to her. Good job, Marley. Now, let's get into finding your frequency because, you know, I, I'm all about this. Finding a frequency, as you guys know, it's all about that journey that, you know, that, that finding the reason why you do what you do, summoning that intestinal fortitude to move forward and really make a difference in your business and make a difference in your lives. And, you know, make sure that uh, you're not swinging the axe for somebody else's dollar. Uh, So that's definitely an important thing. So today we're going to talk to business and sales expert, Blair Singer, who's the founder of the Blair Singer Training Academy and Rich Dad Advisor, best-selling author of three Rich Dad Advisor series books, Sales Dogs. You don't have to be an attack dog to be a success in sales. We'll talk about that book as well as Team Code of Honor and Little Voice Mastery, How to Win the War Between Your Ears in 30 Seconds or Less and Have an Extraordinary Life. Blair, welcome to the show. Wow, Rob and it's an honor
0: to be here and thank you for putting on a show that touches so deeply
1: to helping people find their vision what they're trying to do well yeah we, we really appreciate you joining us in studio here today uh, you know I, I always I always love it when, when people are here with us in the studio because I feel there's you know a different level of energy a different connection than when we do the phone interviews and you know uh, and I know for you as a speaker you know you're you're always trying to make that connection with those folks as uh, being on stage and trying to get them to to overcome their fears overcome their obstacles and uh, what you saw what you call the self-sabotaging little voice in their heads <laughs> that uh, prevents them right. from you know engaging that hero within so right. I want to start off with one question because it's sure. the premise of the show uh, and, and it's to, it's what's to have what's uh, to be expected by our listeners uh, now that we've been on the air since 2006 16, but, you know, Blair, we want to know how you found your frequency in life and in business and, you know, how did you end up on the path that you are and, you know, just take a couple of moments and, you know, tell us about your story.
0: Well, thanks. And first of all, kudos to you with your daughter. I mean, I know having, the, being the... Uh, father of two great boys, you can be on the principal's list for two different
1: reasons. (laughs) (laughs) The the principal's list and the principal's beep list. Right, exactly. (laughs) So
0: congratulations on that. But I think it has to do with your question. You know, it has to do with the the environment you're brought up in, what you're subjected to, what you witness as a kid, all that plays into effect, you know. And I th- I wish I could tell you that I'm doing what I'm doing now because there was some great plan and I <laughs> laid it all out, but it wasn't like that at all. I mean, and I think for any entrepreneur listening uh, to know that the journey, the he, I call it, I'm, I'm interesting, you talk about it, called the hero's journey. Is the hero's journey is a journey that's been told, stories that have been told like Ulysses and Wizard of Oz, yeah. Luke Skywalker, all that stuff. And that story's been told for thousands of years. Why? Because everybody, everybody listening's on a hero's journey of some sort. The names change, the story changes, but the pattern still remains. You know, you get a, a calling to do something. You're a little reluctant to do it. You think it's a good idea at the time. You <laughs> jump into it. All of a sudden, all the crap hits the fan. You think, how did I get here? And you go out and you have to slay it and you're tested, and you find mentors along the way. you got to slay the dragon. Uh, and then you come back, and you come back from your journey and your venture a transformed person. And that story of transformation is really the story. It's not the plan It's the journey As everybody says And you know The way I got here Was totally by accident You know As I was like I grew up in the middle Midwest And Canton, Ohio And Shout out to Ohio, Aaron There there you go, right? And home of the Football Hall of Fame And I just I just I was supposed to go into medical school uh, at Ohio State, and I found out halfway through the second semester of school that studying organic chemistry until my eyes bled was not going to work, and uh, I became a political science major. (laughs) That was a pretty big shift. Right? And so, so so I shifted from there, and what happened was I fell in love. I wish I could tell you that there was a grand plan, but I felt I realized that the weather in Ohio sucked. <laughs> you know, school didn't teach me anything about making money, and I just decided I fell in love with a woman from Hawaii and followed her to Hawaii. It's not now, a bad
1: place to follow somebody, no, too, right?
0: <laughs> and lived there for eight. Years, you know, got married there, got divorced there, but I met Robert Kiyosaki there. That's where I met because I I realized I had to learn how to sell. I got a job in sales. He was working for Xerox. I was working for a company called Burroughs at the time, now Unisys. And we both were entrepreneurs just starting our first gig. He had his first nylon wallet business, and I had had a surf shop. And that's how we met. He came in trying to sell me these Velcro wallets. (laughs) And I told him, dude, I go, my customers are – Surfers—they have no money. What would they need a wallet for, right? No pockets,
1: um, right? No pockets, no
0: money. And I was just trying to make a joke, and he started yelling at me. And I'm going, "What the heck? What kind of a sales pitch is this? Just yell at your customer and tell them how stupid they are until they buy," which I did. <laughs> and we, be, but we've been—did you, did you buy a wallet? Oh yeah, we bought a whole bunch of them. I never sold any of them, but, but I bought them. But the the benefit out of it is, is we became great friends and and went down this path of an experiment as to whether business development and personal development would work together. I took some very powerful personal development programs way back then because of the divorce and the all, you know, losing money and all that, and he suggested go to a personal development program. I go, eh, I don't do that sissy stuff, right? But it radically changed my life, radically changed everything we were doing. And, and, and so now I could tell you the rest of the story. I'm not going to, but I'm just going to tell you that who could ever predict it, all that? Right. It's just that if you allow yourself, and you talk about frequencies, if you just learn to trust yourself a little bit and just go with it, yeah. go with what the opportunity is as long as, it's not, as long as it's just not a stupid idea, but to go with it and you find yourself in the most amazing places. Uh, fast forward, you know, I'm obviously not in Hawaii anymore, but uh, I went into the air freight trucking business. In the first nine months, lost three quarters of a million dollars doing that. Had to turn that around. People started asking me how we turned it around. That was that, that was after Hawaii, moving back to LA. And uh, one a five-minute lecture turned into an hour lecture, turned into three days, five days. So now, as of in the early 90s, I just run around the world helping entrepreneurs, big business, small businesses, help them create amazing teams and generate millions of dollars of income into their businesses. These days, because the demand's so great, now what I focus on is teaching the best people to be the best teachers, leaders, and facilitators in the world. So we now have about 500 of them. I have about 500 trainers and about
1: 15 different countries so you're you're instead of you doing all of the legwork as the trainer and teacher and you're teaching other people the system so then they can go out and be impactful for their you know their companies and and they they can start their hero journey right that's right that's right and so what
0: happens is is that i've learned over the years and if you're listening this right now you're going to learn over the years that a certain type of person ends up gravitating toward you Um, different people, even in the same industry, different people with personality, you know, they say birds of a feather kind of flock together. So I just know that whether I'm teaching sales, team development or whatever, people that have a, uh, a desire to teach a desire to support and help a lot of people seem to be what show up. And so now we've, that's a business now. And we help a lot of people become world-class trainers and leaders all over the place.
1: Well, and I think that's an important point too, to what you say about, you know, how people gravitate towards those certain scenarios, because I think also from a a teaching standpoint or any, in any business, I mean, you don't want to, you don't want to, you know, spin your tires in the mud, either working with somebody who just doesn't get it or who doesn't have You know, the passion, because you and I know that, you know, you can be the smartest person on the planet, but if you're not willing to put in the groundwork, you know, and put in the effort that is needed to make change happen or to go learn something new or go do something different, then you're going to fail automatically just because you didn't try hard enough.
0: That's right. And you don't have it. It's not that maybe maybe your work ethic is good. But you're not gonna go at it the same way if you don't like you say if you don't have the passion for it. Yeah. You know, and sometimes you don't even know why am I doing this? Why am I doing this? <laughs> and you better have a good reason why you're doing it. Otherwise you will quit doing it. Yeah. And so, you know, long ago I was influenced, Robert and I were both influenced by a fellow by the name of the late Dr. Buckminster Fuller. And he'd said, he said a couple things that really changed my life. He said, what can one person do that could make a difference? Yeah. That was one thing. And I grew up, I date myself, I grew up in the days of I got to see JFK on a, th- a three-station television set. I got to watch Martin Luther King, Gandhi, these guys. And that message was really clear. What can one person do? So Fuller kind of set the hook. He says, how many people could you serve? How I, what's your mission? What are you here to do? You just here to make money, or are you here to make sense? He said because the two could be mutually exclusive, and that
1: just completely wrecked my life. But <laughs> okay. it's turned it's turned out to be a great journey. Yeah, I mean, how how awesome is it if you can you know come to you know quote unquote work every day, but at the same time that you're able to make money, you're also making a difference in other people's lives, you know. Um, you know, not not to touch on myself too much, because I mean, this is an interview with you. But um, you know, it, it, it is that way. Sometimes, you know, when I'm I'm here, and I've been at Voice America for 16 years now. Um, you know, doing internet radio, and for me, it's not necessarily about you know. Yes, I like the fact that I I make a living and I can pay my bills and all that fun stuff, but. You know, I'm I'm not here for just that. You know, I'm here for for these moments that I'm having right now with you. You know, I feel like every time I do an interview with an author, a speaker, an expert, in any of the different uh, uh, spaces that there are available, health and wellness, whatever it may be, I feel like that every one of these hours that I get to spend with those people are almost like you know little mini personal development you know moments that I get to have, and I get to learn so much from other people in those spaces. You know, and then not even secondary to the great and wonderful people that we have at voice America that are executive producers, engineers, graphics folks, you know, just everybody who has a passion for making this medium really explode. And as you know, podcasting has absolutely exploded over the last couple of years. And, you know, looking back on, you know, the company's founding in 99 and then looking at like, wow, when I, when I started here, the smartphone wasn't a thing, you know, the word podcast didn't exist. And it took us a long time, you know, as you talk about change and, and being able to have passion to move forward. It took me a long time to call a radio show, a podcast because like in my head, I'm like, but it's not a podcast. It's not highly edited. We do these things live and then we just publish them, you know? Um, but it's like when you're when you're doing sales and when you're doing uh, you know uh, business items and it's like well if you're not speaking the same language as your customers uh, then you got a problem with communication and so once we started to embrace that yes we yeah. do podcasts or we do live podcasts or whatever um, things really started to change for us
0: yeah well yeah because what you're doing is you're serving even more and you're per, you know I, just for example a podcast is no longer a podcast Podcasts can be turned into a video it yeah. can be turned into. Post- posters on, on social media can be turned into letters, can be turned into email campaigns. You could take one podcast and get, create six to eight functions out of it to reach millions of people, literally. So what you're describing is you've taken something like doing a radio show and you've given it deeper meaning. You've given it yeah. more reach. And so, like I said, what the motivation here is if you – how many people – like Fuller said, how many people can you touch? How many people could you impact? And if enough people created that kind of an impact somewhere in the world, what kind of a world would it be? Way better.
1: Way better, right? So <laughs> We right? We, we, had, we would have already gone to Mars. <laughs>
0: exactly well that's that's my big thing about trying to teach people how to teach because the way Robert and I teach is totally different than any kind of school teacher or any kind of a lecturer yeah and we've learned it over the years how to combine personal development business development technical development together because the problem with learning is not the material materials is pretty simple the problem is everybody knows how everybody wants to be in better shape right everybody wants to get rich right simple the, the to do it is not the hard part the hard part is a little voice between your ears that puts up the resistance I can't do it I'm not smart enough I don't have time all that are the garbage so the way we teach is designed to input, input the information but also remove the resistance so they can actually do something with it and um, that's why my big thing about education to what you said yeah. people say we got climate problems we got financial problems only one problem I know the, all those are secondary problems. The biggest problem is a problem of education. people there's not one problem on this planet that couldn't be fixed by people that sit down, know how to work together, figure out problems together, cooperate, and do all that stuff, but we're just not taught that in school, we're just not taught it anywhere. So I, I agree with you. I think that if you could if people get and that's why at this stage of my career, I'm so passionate about teaching people how to teach, so that people naturally can do that, naturally lower the resistance, naturally take the stuff on. That's why we get like when we I do a sales training. It's not uncommon for people do increase sales fifteen to eighty percent in a matter of three to six months.
1: Wow, that's that every company probably happy for that.
0: (laughs) You know what I'm saying? But but it's but it's not conventional.
1: It's not conventional. Yeah, so that's like in your bio. It says, you know, you're empowering people to achieve peak performance in business, sales, money, teams, relationships, and life. Right. You know, um, and and I think that probably is the hardest thing for any person to get over. I mean, I, I experience it on a daily basis. You know, my biggest crutch is I don't have time. Oh, you yeah. know, always, you know, it's like, oh, but I want to make time for my family. And, you know, I want to make time for myself. Uh, I want to make time for my hobbies. You know, I told you I, I like to ride motorcycles and, uh, you know, so I want to make time for that. But, you know, sometimes you have to prioritize the items that are in your life. And when you think about being of service um, and also making money, sometimes you got to set aside, you know, the Sunday morning that maybe you wanted to go ride your motorcycle with your buddies for, you know, a couple of hours of due diligence to get yourself some set up for the week so yeah. that way you can be prepared for That's whatever right. you're doing
0: you know it's interesting you say that because one of the things we teach i, I my trainers that are all over the, all over the place is that you gotta have sacred time the one of the things i learned about studying great leaders and myself is that you have got to set aside some sacred time whether it's 10 minutes two hours whatever it is for you daily yep
1: daily because if you don't the world will dictate the day to you. No, no, no. It's funny. You you talk about a sacred time. So um, obviously, you know, I'm a radio guy. I've been right. in this business uh, my entire adult career since right. uh, 1997 is when I, I got home from the military and I started my inner or my radio career. Started in AM and FM, and then moved into new media in 2003. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Um, you know, when you talk about that sacred time, you would think that somebody like me is probably after the, a day of working in radio, like you don't want to listen to radio anymore. But what's really funny is when I when I drive home from work every day, my 15 minutes of solidarity is sitting in my truck, listening to my favorite radio program that airs from uh, 4 to 6 p.m. And so generally, I'm catching like the last 30 minutes of that, like at 530-ish or something like that. Um, And my wife will call me from upstairs and be like, hey, uh, are you coming in the house? And I'm like, yeah, I'll be there in just a few minutes. And and that's my time. You know, my my 30 minutes, I get to listen to these guys that really are a riot. I get to hear some news and, Mm -hmm. you know, spend that time alone by myself, decompressing from the day, thinking about how the... The day went, uh, and then I also think about how can I make tomorrow better. Right, that's right.
0: You know, and I think that if you can, for me, that time comes early in the morning. That kind of time comes, around, and it, for different people, it's different times of yeah. day. And early in the morning, a little bit of meditation, a little bit of affirmation, a little bit of uh, you know, uh, read something motivational, and do some journaling, right, and some exercise, right. So, so my assistant knows nothing gets booked. On my calendar during that time, unless it's an, it's an extreme emergency. Yeah. And I can tell you that with my travel schedule, I mean, I'm on the road more than half the, half the time during yeah. the half of a year, um, is I got to do it. And I got to do it. And what I find is the quality of time that I spend with my wife and my kids and the quality of time I spend with my colleagues and people, much higher quality. Because I don't know th- it's the amount of time you spend with ki- with a small your, when your kids are small time is critical
1: but yeah. i think that that as you get older it's more about are you really present with the people you're even talking to? I think at that point too, and and you're right, I have a six year old. So for me, amount of time is kind of important right now. We're trying to, my wife and I are trying to set a, a a, a high bar, not a high barrier, a high level example of understanding certain components of being a human being, you know, and one of those things that's always a challenge. I think it's probably a challenge for adults too, is not allowing your emotions to dictate your behavior. Um, And so that's something that we work really hard at home with our doctors on because you know when you're going through everyday life if you You know, are in a discussion with somebody and it rubs you the wrong way, and then your action then is based upon your emotions. Then you're not really thinking through or problem solving in a correct manner. And I think that you know um, those are fundamental components. Like you can't learn that. You can't learn that at school. No, no. As a matter of fact,
0: you're actually taught almost the opposite at school. (laughs) No, seriously, they they put pressure on you. If you don't get good grades, you're considered an idiot. You know, if you make too many mistakes, you're considered you're not going to be successful. When the truth of it is every entrepreneur listening to this right now knows that the secret to good marketing to good sales and to entrepreneurship is you got to make a lot of mistakes and make them quick and learn how to correct from them but if you are traumatized every time you do that which is what school would teach you <laughs> then you're going to be risk averse yep. and then your business is going to fail and then you're going to be miserable but the truth of it what you said is true we always say when we do sales training high emotion yields low intelligence <laughs> and anytime you've ever anybody listening to this anytime you've ever been angry I ask you have you ever made a good decision when you're in the middle of being angry? And I guarantee you the answer is no. No, I mean, no. Never. Nobody does. Nobody does. <laughs> but people don't take heed. So that's why when we train people, part of the training and part of education, as you said, is not just about you know how to use technology. It's how to lower manage the emotion so you can stay
1: low, stay, keep it low, keep your intelligence high and be able to communicate properly. Well, and I feel like learning technology is actually easy. You know, if it's, if it's like a, you know, here's a, here's a manual on how this, you know, digital device works. Okay. Well I can read really well. Right. Um, So (laughs) again, going back to the six year old, like in this foundational component, you know um, again, if you can't read, that's a problem. You can't do anything, you know? And <laughs> right. so if you can read books and you can manage your emotions, well, yeah, so so let's take a look at
0: the manual. So you, you open the manual and it's <laughs> like thick and you're like and you get bored. Your little voice goes, "This is too slow. I don't want to do it." So now all of a sudden your emotion starts to take over. I'm just going to skip steps. I'm just going to get past this is this is crazy. And so now the emotions coming up, you're going to jump ahead. You're going to make some mistakes you don't need to make. Or right. or the technology breaks down in the middle of you. That never happens, right? No, you know, all of a sudden uh, your laptop's not working properly. Internet's cutting out. Then you then you lose it. You go, oh, great! Now, right? I got a time. So now your emotions up again. Yep. Your intelligence has gone down. <laughs> e- so, so even in something as simple as that. If you can just learn to be present, you know, Buddha and and all these guys, you know, all taught about being present, being centered. I used to think it was kind of hokey stuff myself until I realized
1: that my life got so complex that if I don't do that, yeah, I won't survive it. No, you're 100 percent correct, and you know it's funny that you you say that you thought that that was hokey stuff. We had a uh, we have an empowerment channel, right. um, and so sometimes uh, I listen to some of the content on the empowerment channel, and I go, "Wow, are you kidding me?" <laughs> you know, but then. <laughs> When you when you stop for just a second and kind of think about some of those principles that some of those people are talking about about empowering your life, empowering yourself to you know do and be better and all those things, you know they're actually correct. Um, and I think sometimes people just have this veil of cloud that's in their brain somewhere. I don't know where it comes from or, or how it's there. Or, I know, well, I had I had it too.
0: I had it too. When Kiyosaki way back when I said you really need to go to a personal development program, I go I don't do that sissy stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's for wimps. You know I don't <laughs> I don't do I don't do that kind of stuff. He goes, No, it'll really help you. And and it did. It changed my life because I got it I got a chance to take a look at the 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 one thing in common with all the success, failure, money made, lost, heartache, the one thing in common with everything was me. And 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 while it seems like obvious, at that moment in my life, that was a revelation. And yeah. somehow what was going on over here was affecting, was creating all of that and attracting all of that over here. And that's the, the big change.
1: Yeah. And that that's, you know, really similar to, you know, like the book, The Secret, you know, if you have, you know, all of this cloudiness that's happening and you can't really see through that, then, you know, how do you get the frequencies to align where you have good things gravitating towards you instead of bad things gravitating towards you? Right. Right. I mean, I think that's the important thing. Well, hey, uh, Blair, what I want to do is, uh, number one, I want to, I, w- I want to thank our, our sponsor, for today's episode, and then uh, we'll take a quick commercial break, and then we'll okay. come back on the backside of that. Uh, and then I'm going to talk a little bit about your books. I got some questions here for you as well, uh, talking about uh, uh, your 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 uh, your 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 book about the attack dog. I think that's <laughs> interesting, so I want to kind of dive into that sure. a little bit. Uh, but ladies and gentlemen, you're listening to Finding Your Frequency. I'm your host, Ryan Treasure. Uh, again, big shout out to the sponsor of today's episode, Podcorn. What a really cool service that Podcorn has. Uh, we've been in this business for. Since the beginning, of since audio has been online. I mean, uh, uh, Voice America and Boombox Radio by AOL were the, you know, the first two things that were happening in 1999 when, when this thing launched. And, you know, what a great time. And, you know, now is even better time for radio shows and podcasters because there's so many new pieces of technology that are out there. Um, I actually got involved with Podcorn because I got an email that was just saying, hey, we see that you have a podcast. You should check this thing out. And I went in and signed up on Podcorn.com and made myself an account. And when you log into the system, it's super cool because it automatically starts showing you, Okay, uh, here are some sponsors or advertisers or um, even even paid interviews that they have that are in there for people who are looking for exposure, you know, whether it be other podcasts or other brands and services and such. And so as I'm scrolling through there, I thought it was really cool. Um, And so. We decided to start working with them in the capacity because their marketplace is really connecting podcasters to sponsorship opportunities um, with the host reads and those interview segments I was talking about and topical discussions. And there there's no middleman at all, right? I, I just I just log into the podcorn and I look through the list of available advertising. I send them uh, a, a note about why I think that uh, I would be a good fit for this they make it super easy to I don't even have to type anything right I just log in there's a there's a record button I can record myself I just talk to them and tell them in my own words versus typing it all out which is wonderful because that way less time yeah. um, and basically give them my pitch and I say hey I'm Ryan treasure I host finding your frequency uh, I think we'd be a good fit for this this and this for these reasons uh, send it off to them and then wait for them to reply and uh, it's just a, it's It's just a really easy, seamless component, no middleman, payouts, right to PayPal, so I don't have to wait. As soon as you upload the ad read and show them that you've done it, they pay you. Um, So you're not waiting for net 30s or net 60s on payments. As you know, that's terrible to wait for that, right, Blair? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. (laughs) So definitely, if you guys are uh, doing a radio show or a podcast, go check out uh, podcorn.com, P-O-D-C-O-R-N.com, and go check it out. Uh, The Marketplace's mission is to give podcasters Transparency, creative freedom, and full control over how and when you monetize. So make sure you click on the link in the show notes. Uh, if you're listening on Apple, iTunes, TuneIn, Stitcher, Google Play, iHeartRadio, or any other podcast uh, location, the link will be right there in the description. You guys can go check it out. So definitely check out Podcorn, P-O-D-C-O-R-N.com. We're going to take a commercial break. uh, And when we come back, we're going to talk to Blair Singer, business and sales expert and author, a little bit more about some of the books that he's created. And we're going to find out, what are these dog types? What do they mean? We'll be right back right after this on Finding Your Frequency. Today, many doctors prescribe basic pharmaceuticals to their patients who aren't feeling well or have various aches or pains. Is this the right course of action for all patients? Definitely not. Find out about healthy, natural ways to help you feel your best by tuning in to the CBD Ed Show with host Edward Cheney. Ed will explain full-spectrum CBD, where the whole hemp plant can be used for treatment, and answer all of your questions about CBD and natural treatment in general. Listen Fridays at 11 a.m. Pacific Time 2 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Variety. You're tuned into Finding Your Frequency with hosts Jeff Spinard and Ryan Treasure. Connect with the show. Call in to 1 866 472 5788. That's 1 866 472 5788. Welcome back to Finding Your Frequency. I'm your host, Ryan Treasure. And as you guys know, I love Finding Your Frequency Fridays. Number one, it ends the week for us because uh, then we get to go spend the weekend with our family and our loved ones. But before we get to do so, we get to find out about how other people found their frequency in life and in business and decided to follow their passion and do what we're doing. Today, we're here with business and sales expert and founder of the Blair Singer Training Academy and Rich Dad Advisor, Mr. Blair Singer. Thank you again for joining us today. It's an honor. It's a a gas. Yeah, I, I think we're having a great time here in the studio and you know uh, before we went to commercial break we were kind of chatting a little bit about some of the books that you've created and and written Um, I want to talk about the first book that um, is in my list it may not be the first book you wrote but it's the first one in my list only because uh, this book is great it's called Sales Dogs you don't have to be an attack dog to be successful in sales and uh, you know I was kind of I didn't get a chance to read the whole book because I think I got it on Wednesday (laughs) Uh, but I was kind of skimming through the book and what I found really interesting was that you were kind of pairing up uh, like human being personality types with types of dogs, yes. uh, which I thought was really interesting. Uh, and so, why not explain that a little bit: how a, you know how a, a golden retriever equals what type of human being, and 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 how and why did you come up with that?
0: Well, first of all, the fir- it was my first book, and um, the reason is because sales equals income. You know, I travel around the world. Anytime I meet somebody who's not happy with their income, not happy with their lifestyle, a business that's struggling, it's usually because that person or that business doesn't know how to sell or they think it's not important or the product will sell itself. So that was the first book. But what I found is for small, medium business guys, a lot of times the barrier was not the technique. They just had little voices going on, like, what if they don't like me, and I don't want to be pushy, and all this the stereotypical image of an attack dog. So Kiyosaki (laughs) and I sat down. This was in Singapore back in the 90s, and we were just over a couple pitchers of beer, and and we talked about it. And we were just joking around and said, you know, there's really that attack dog image is only one stereotypical image, that you got to be aggressive, never take no for an answer. And so I came up. I came up with this whole concept of sales dogs. That there's actually five different personality types, all of which could be highly successful in generating income. The attack dog is what we call the pit bull, right? Yeah stereotypical and nobody wants you, you, in a room full of people how many would be a pit bull nobody wants to raise their hand that would be a few brave guys right but then I said there's others there's the poodle who's the charming schmoozer <laughs> loves to hang around network with people you know always looking good right yeah then there's the uh, chihuahua you know these are the data freaks man they Google, they're YouTube and Googling you know, Twittering everything, right? And, and, and each one of these personality types has a given strength that if you play to your strength to your point, you play to your natural frequency, you can build a lot of trust really quickly and make a lot of money. The golden retriever is that person that, that loves to serve people. Typically, see a lot of real estate agents or retrievers. You know, they they'll do anything. They kind of operate off of the law of reciprocity. If you give enough to people, serve them enough, they'll turn around and grant you some business. Okay. And then, of course, there's the uh, <laughs> the basset hound. They have those big, you know, the hush puppy big droopy eyes. And their, their ears. Right. Yeah. They <laughs> love you no matter what. They're they're on. They love you, right? <laughs> and and these are the people that really good one on one rapport builders. So people say, well, which one's more successful? I go, they're all successful. It's just when you're trying to be, if you're a poodle trying to be a pit bull, that ain't going to work. But by the same token, if you're talking to a pit bull, you better know what language that they appreciate so you can talk to them in their language. So the book was just a fun way to disarm that little voice and take the fear out of it. And we just found that people loved it. And it's just kind of the basis of
1: helping people increase their sales. So let me, let me kind of put a scenario together. If you're in a room with, you know, five people who are all salespeople, how do you identify like, you know, what, what is their sales type? If, if they're, you know, the attack dog or the poodle or or whatever, you know, because I would imagine just like interpersonal communications, you know, you have this idea of, you know, um, you know who you, you know, who you are, right. right? Um, You, you, then it's like, what is, what, right. And then, and then it's, what do other people think I am? And then what are you actually? Exactly. Well, Well,
0: I mean, you could pick it up in people's language. Uh, You know, uh, obviously a pit bull is going to be real aggressive. You know, what's the bottom line? Get to the point. Get to the point. The the poodle is going to be, what's everybody else doing? What's the, you know, what's the trend? What's, you know, they're looking for social proof out there where the chihuahua just wants the facts. Okay, and the golden retriever is all about the relationship, and the basset hound is building the empathy, one-on-one trust. So you can usually pick up on that in the
1: first minute or so. So have you ever had a mutt? Oh yeah. Like well, somebody I, somebody who's like so, yeah. they just switch gears. They can be an attack dog, they can be a totally, poodle. Totally. Totally. We're <laughs> the all Swiss mutts. Army Blade. That's exa- Swiss <laughs> Army
0: knife of sales. <laughs> Swiss Army knife. That's great. I'm, pretty, I'm using that one. I'm using that. Do it. One. Do it. Okay, but but I do it. I say, so how many of you are this? How many are that? How many are a mutt? And everybody raised their hand. I said that's the point. You have all these things. We all have the ability, but it's just finding the one that you're comfortable in particularly in that
1: moment and particularly with the person that you're at. With do, you, you're with do you guys ever talk about like uh, NLP or neuro linguistic, yeah, totally. right? especially in sales, right? Because you know one of the things that uh, that I've, I've noticed I, I don't technically do sales, but I guess no matter what you do in life, you're probably selling at some point something. <laughs> you know what I mean? You're <laughs> what, selling, what, your, selling yourself. <laughs> that's not what I've been witnessing for the last hour in here. You've been selling like crazy,
0: but you're not. It's not the stereotypical sale. It's not like trying to push something down somebody's throat. You come from your passion. You want to help a lot of people. You want to serve a lot of people. That's all it is. Yeah, yeah, there's some techniques on how to close. There's some techniques and all that stuff. But that varies depending upon who you are in the setting that you're sitting in. So I think that um, everybody can sell. I'll bet you your daughter can sell.
1: I know she can sell. That's right.
0: So (laughs) they're the the best salespeople on the planet. So everybody's got it in them. It's just over time, you get a little gun-shy. They're going to like me. What do they think of me? Just like what you said. And when you can just learn to get comfortable with it –
1: then sales increase. It's that simple. Yeah, that's funny that you said my daughter can sell. She can. She could sell herself to anyone, anytime. She is so good at it. I know. She. Uh, <laughs> I've not. Met she's a... going to be trouble for me when she's a teenager. I can that's, already tell. That's right. That, I've not met a four to six year old that could not sell. I, I've just yeah. never met one. So when you talk about uh, you know all these different dog scenario types, and you know I know a lot of people work in groups and in teams, uh, especially in sales. You might have you know four or five people on a sales team. Um, when those when those companies split into teams to be more efficient with projects and sales, um, what is needed for the proper team to be successful? I mean, outside of understanding who you are and what you're what 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 type of personality you have, but when you take the pit bull and the poodle and all of them and you put them all in a room together and they all have to get along for one uh, you know one goal, which is right. the CEO says, "Okay, group of five people, I would like this. Right. You know, this is your objective." This is our sales goal or this is a
0: project or whatever it is. Yeah, this is your benchmark. And that's why I wrote the second book, which was Team Code of Honor. Okay, Team Code of Honor. First thing I want to say about sales. One thing I learned a long time ago when I first got into sales, that that selling sales equals income. But the most important, most difficult sale of all is you selling you to you. Okay, I'm going to say it again. You telling you to you. And what I mean by that is, is when you get knocked back and knocked back and knocked back, doubt starts to seep in. And you go, maybe I shouldn't be doing this. Am I doing the right thing? That's when salesmanship begins because the toughest sell of all is not selling to the customer. It's you selling to yourself. So what happens now when you put people into a, a, a group? And
1: I mean, that makes sense, right? Yeah, no, totally. Yes. I laughed because one of my first jobs when I was a kid, um, I I was a door to door salesman. I used to go to this building and they would give me a bag, <laughs> right? And in the bag would be like it. lotions and different things. And it was like, all right, um, you know, you can do one of two things. Uh, come back when your bag is empty, or come back when your bag is empty. <laughs> Right. And I, and I literally would go door to door and those types of emotions are there constantly because That's right. you're, you're going into an office building that you don't even know if solicitation is even okay. I mean, this is back in the nineties, right? And you're like, well, am I going to get in trouble for even going in here? Right. And I finally got to the point where I just didn't care what the sign said. I just went in anyways. I was going to wait for them to tell me to leave before I was going to stop well, myself it's from entering. Funny you say that because
0: <laughs> I always tell the story that when we first started at Burroughs, we weren't, they had a deal. You had six weeks to sell $10,000 worth of desktop calculators door to door. If you could do that in six weeks, then they would send you to sales training. And I'm going, wait, don't I get the sales training first? And they go, no, if you can't do this, we're not going to waste our money on you. That's how it was back then. Yeah. And I remember that one day I made 68, I counted them 68 cold calls in one day and sold nothing. Absolutely nothing. But I, the most important sale of all is I made it through 68 calls without giving up. That was the that was the the important thing. The following day, I closed some deals, but but that's your. Well, that's because you got through all your nose on that day. (laughs) That's part of it. But after a while, I didn't give I didn't give a crap what people were thinking. Yeah. get out of here. We hate what you're doing, and all that. Then after a while, I'm going. Okay, what else are they throw at me? You know, I said I'm going to show you a demo of this thing that's going to blow your socks off. And finally, somebody said, Okay, show me the demo. Then I was totally screwed because I didn't even know how to operate the equipment. Then they'd kick me out. So it was like, <laughs> so. But it was the most important sales training of all. And what happens is when you get into teams, you have people. You have you have five people on a team. You're saying, okay, so you have five different sets of emotional, emotional, psych, psychotic baggage, all sitting on that team at the same time. Yeah. And, and and so that becomes a problem. So one of the things that I learned is every great team. Every great organization, religion, whatever, they have – has something called – I call it a code of honor. But it's a set of rules. You know, like the Ten Commandments, a set of rules. Okay? And these rules embody the values of the team and hold people together. So it's – it, and whenever I work with a company, whether it's been Singapore Airlines, Morgan Stanley, IBM, L'Oreal Brands, or even small businesses, the first thing we do is establish the rules, the code of honor. Because when it gets hot, people want to jump ship. But if the rules hold them in there, mm-hmm. then we can work through it. Yeah, we can work through it. Like, um, ev- like everybody takes responsibility. It's like a
1: containment field.
0: Totally. <laughs> totally. <laughs> yeah. But it's one that everybody agrees to. Because in a sane moment, everybody always agrees to the Ten Commandments, right? <laughs> but when it's when the stuff starts hitting the fan, the emotion goes up, intelligence goes down. The purpose of the Code of Honor, is to, for me, is to protect me from me, from myself. Because I know that I don't need any competition out there. I am my own worst enemy half the time. And yeah. so that's why... The contain is contain what you call it, a containment field? Yeah. I love that. I'm using that one too. Okay. So so the containment field is critical if you're gonna put a team together. Otherwise, particularly on a sales team, because everybody's all all over the place. You gotta come together with a basic set of rules of how we conduct ourselves with each other.
1: Yeah. Everybody agrees to that. Now we can push forward. That's amazing. And please use Containment Field. Uh, please allow, like allow my nerdist to help you out <laughs> no, in, in any it. way. I love sci-fi stuff, so <laughs> probably have more of those to come down the line. Um, you know, as a business owner and an entrepreneur and, and, and working through several levels of different types of sales and leadership roles, what was the hardest thing that you ever dealt with in business? And and I know, I know, I know. Kind of maybe what you're going to say. Oh, dealing with myself or getting through that hurdle, but um, not from that perspective. Just as a business owner, like what was one of the hardest things you ever had to deal with? Besides Robert yelling at you about well, the Well, That was
0: actually funny. That wasn't that wasn't so hard. <laughs> uh, actually, it, it forged a great friendship. So that sure. was awesome. I think that you know when I my first big business and when I had a uh, I had a trucking business many years ago and we faced financial ruin several times. And it was, I mean, I got like no sleep for a year, I think. It was it was just really hard. Every day was a challenge. Every day was hard. But that's when I learned about Code of Honor because the only thing that held us together was our a simple set of rules that we had. I was going to shut down the business. And I remember my accounting, my accounting manager came to me. She goes, don't close the business. And we were down three quarters of a million bucks. That's a lot of money. Well, what happens, we used a, um, a factoring company that basically – you. You give them your billing, and they do the collection for you and turn your cash in seven days. So, so now, you're not
1: waiting for net 30s and 60s. Right. Yeah, so, yeah. And
0: they take a percentage. But the problem was they collected the money, and then they went out of business and took all the money with them. So we were like, oh, my God. So we were left holding the bag. And so I was going to shut it down, and my economy manager, she says, look, don't. we'll work two weeks for free if we have to turn this around. I go, what? Free? what are you talking about? And they go, are you like, is that even legal? Right. <laughs> and it was like, and, and it was just such a moving experience, humbling experience. And we did, we turned it around. And that's, that's the story that I t- – we began to turn that thing around. And, and, and I think that that was rough. But the one thing I've learned in the most difficult situations is when you obviously learn the most, number one. That seems obvious. But it's also where you find good partners. You know, you, you, they, there's an old adage that says you can't do a good deal with a bad partner, right? But in a bad deal is where you find good people because who, who stands up? I think the second one, we had a franchise back in the early 2000s. And, you know, the franchise blew up, and it was a partnership issue. And uh, without getting into all of that, that was probably one of the most painful experiences because it's your dream. This is what I wanted to do. And uh, the thing just blew up and split apart and disintegrated, and uh, it was painful. Oh, I bet. Very painful. But you know what? You just take quitting off the table. Quitting just doesn't become an option. Maybe you got to change what you're doing, maybe shut this down and go this way, but you just don't – you're not going to fold up your tent and run away. Yeah. And, and and there's a part of me, even to this day, sometimes it gets tough and you go, I don't want to – I don't want to be part of this anymore. <laughs> but, you know, that's why you got – I have a personal code. My wife and I have a code of honor. You know, we have a code that says, you know, no matter what happens, um, we're not going anywhere. We'll work it out. Um, we never go to bed in the middle of an argument. You know things like this that are designed to hold you together in those critical moments.
1: Yeah, no, well, very, very well said. You know when you told that story, I couldn't help but think to think about your that accounting person. are you still are you still friends with them? I haven't seen it. actually she and because how, how awesome is that that somebody who works for you and you know and their employer is so passionate about what they do and the ability to know that well, they can turn it around but they're get, like we'll work for free man well you get to get the <laughs> whole
0: scenario I mean most of the people about 30-40 people in my company and they're mostly Samoan, Tongan, Mexican, African American big dudes right and she was a pretty and she was I think the wife of one of the assistant warehouse supervisor big Samoan guy right and it's like so they go we'll turn around and, and there was another corollary to that. Tote, the assistant warehouse supervisor, comes to me. Goes, he goes, you know how to sell. You teach us how to sell. We'll turn this thing around. We're gonna, we're gonna, we'll give it a shot. He goes. Besides, if you quit, we will come find you.
1: <laughs> so it's like I'm going, okay. So, so,
0: the, so the, there was some intense motivation there, and and we did. They were amazing. We're pe- We were at LAX airport. We were sending out pizzas to all the shippers and stuff like that, and we were able to turn around.
1: That's awesome. Um, you know, it's 2020 this year. It's a new decade. You know, I woke up on January 1st and I was like, wow, new hour, new decade, new minute, new, lots of stuff in 2020. Uh, you know, I, I suppose there's probably going to be some pretty cool technology that's going to come out in the next 10 years. But um, the reason I'm bringing it up is, you know, it's 2020 and there's technology everywhere. But, you know, for you as an entrepreneur, what kind of what kind of ways have technology impacted your ability to become or be successful or generate more revenue?
0: Well, what I love about technology from a sales and marketing perspective is it used to be if you're going to be good at marketing, you had to be a good copywriter. You had to be a really crap, good wordsmith, be able to write write good marketing copy to send out either in regular mail or email or whatever. And that's tough. It's not easy. But now with video, And social media, all you got to do is be you. I mean, the real you. We do a program where I have people just do, who've never done any social media posts, do a simple video just why you're in the business you're in. Yeah. And they're like, Oh, I can't do it. It's not professional. It's not and they are blown away the next day when they see all the comments like, Thank you so much. That was so heartfelt. I wanna we we wanna do more business with you. So I think that what technology's done is it's taken the bandwidth and expanded to the point where now you can put your message to the world as you. You don't need a fancy copywriter. You don't need, just be yourself and just follow, some obviously, some basic techniques of marketing and sales. But I think that that innovation has taken it from only in the hands of only those great people that know how to market back home to every entrepreneur that has passion for what they do. I think that's the biggest change.
1: Yeah, totally. You know, I am uh... – I, I told you earlier I'm a, I'm a sci-fi junkie so of course I'm a tech junkie um, everything everything I touch I'm all about technology and you know um, I, I, I assist with marketing I don't like I, I, you know what here's the thing is I like all the stuff I don't really like to look at the data that much I just like to you know the, the data for me is the middle ground and I, I so I'm, I'm definitely a mutt in some circumstances because I really am like a tack dog because I just really want to get there get done let's get this thing done I want to get to the bottom line but then I know that sometimes you can't always get to the bottom line. You can't work that way with certain individuals and you have to kind of switch up your tonality and the, your approach based <laughs> on who that's you're dealing it. with. That's you know, it, that's, that's it. Uh, So I'm the chameleon. <laughs> Anyways, um, what was your greatest success and why? In business or in life? Ah, <laughs> uh, I don't think they're connected. I think it's what is your biggest success to you? Yeah,
0: well... I've just had so many. I'm just blessed. Um, so when you, that's why I was trying to say what category. I think that the biggest wins that I've had are today, being here with you right now. Uh, I just take a look at all the crap that I've been through, the ups and downs, all the people I've met. I'm just, I just feel extremely blessed to be surrounded with some amazing people, people that you would know, people you wouldn't know, people in 15 different countries, uh, to be able to really feel like you can actually make a difference in a lot of people's lives, difference in people's lives that people that I'll never even meet. Because, and so I think that's, it's not like an event. I mean, A culmination it's a culmination it is and I think that I think that if you can take a look at at least for me when I do my daily gratitude journal in the morning what am I most grateful what am I and at the end of the day when I do it what am I most grateful for I'm I'm grateful for the day I'm grateful that I had a day that I had a day full of wins and that's it that's it for me and and I'm grateful for all the great teachers amazing mentors that I've had over the years and um, they just give me win after win so it's hard. To, it's hard to put a finger
1: on one of them. No, I think that was eloquently said, because it's not one win that establishes who and what you are. It's the culmination of many wins and, yeah. you know, a lifetime of experience, a lifetime of learning, a lifetime of, you know, putting yourself to the test, putting a little pressure on yourself to make yourself better. And I think that a lot of people get lost in uh, in the minutia of every day, and they forget about that, you know, if you ever want to become better at something or anything, whatever it is, mm-hmm. you've got to step out. Outside of your comfort zone and experience a little bit of anxiety, a little bit of stress, right? Because I think (laughs) you gotta that's the way you that's the way you learn.
0: That's it. And there's two ways to step out of your comfort zone. One is to say, I'm gonna step out of my comfort zone. And I wish I could tell you that I do that, but I don't. I just happen to be have this naive outlook on life, even after all these years. And, then, and, and I think, wow, it seems like a good idea. <laughs> and then you jump out of it and you realize, what was I thinking at the time? And then you make the best out of it. So that's yeah. the other way out of the comfort zone.
1: That's awesome. Blair Singer, business and sales expert, uh, rich dad advisor, and best selling author of three Rich Dad series. Thank you so much for joining us today on Finding Your Frequency. We appreciate you.
0: It's an honor. And thank you so much for doing what you do for so many people out
1: there. Oh, I, I thank you. That, that that makes me feel really good. Ladies and gentlemen, you're tuned in to Finding Your Frequency right here on Voice America Talk Radio on the Variety Channel. We're going to be here next week with another fantastic show. Uh, I want you guys to make sure you follow us all over the interwebs at Radio Ryan1, at Jeff Spinney2, at Voice America TRN. We're all over that Twitter game. Hit me up on LinkedIn if you have uh, any ideas for uh, anything you'd like to hear on the radio show. We appreciate all of you guys listening to the radio show. Go check out the website, findingyourfrequency.net, and we'll be here again next week right here on Finding Your Frequency. I'm Ryan Treasure, and we're out.